Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than a 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. What's up, you guys? This is Maxime from the future. Just want to give a quick shout out to Tiffany and let you all know that her video post is live on our YouTube page right now. If you listened through the last episode, you already know who Tiffany is. For those of you who might have missed it, Tiffany is one of the finalists to join our social media team. So go find her video called Dub's Family Word Game in the Intern Hunger Games playlist on our YouTube page. Check it out, leave a comment, and give it a like if you're feeling it. Outside of that, thanks for listening, and go Dub's. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Where's Huddle with me, Brian, with your usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dab Nation? <laughs> and my master of all things sound and video, Maxime. How's it going? 
Gentlemen, I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after hell of long, I mean crazy long, the co-host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, one of the most knowledgeable and passionate barrier sports we are fans we have on this show, and a guy who will not hesitate in improving his baseball swing at SF Baseball Academy, Mr. Joe Shasky. What's going on, Joe? What's up, guys? Uh, how are you feeling about these doves? Dude, I'm apparently feeling nervous to have you back on. I just flubbed the open. I haven't fucked up an open for like months, dude. So I don't, I don't, I blame you. I'm not sure what's going on. It, it just is what it is. The perfect game's out the window. I mean, that's okay, but we could still have a no hitter. <laughs> I, I mean, is it good when your first pitch is wild? You know, I, I feel like anyone who is watching is like, ooh, this is going to be a very interesting podcast. And Joe, let me tell you on air what I kind of insinuated off of it. You were hand-selected for this one, Matt. So we are in the middle of our intern hunger games. Uh, we narrowed down a pretty large field to four people. Today, we're going to be talking to Dylan. Here's why I handpicked you. Love talking to you anyways. And I wanted to show you that I can fuck up an open. But you are also someone who always speaks his mind. We yeah. trust your read on people. So at the end of this, after we have Dylan in and go through his questions and stuff, we're going to ask whether or not he has your badge of approval. Um, okay. Before we get to any of that. Man, a lot of pressure. Uh, it is. Hell of pressure. Here, yeah. I'll, I'm going to add more pressure, and I'm going to tell you why I'm a little bit upset. So uh, the Dylan asked me before we had him on whether or not we were going to have any guests. And I told him, yeah, we're going to have Joe Shasky. And because Dylan's out of town, I gave him you know, some details. Joe is a local radio host here, and you know, he, he comes on occasionally. Here is his response back to me. Butcher boy, exclamation point. The man is a fucking legend. <laughs> I appreciated his rise. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm a little pissy because like this is my chance to try to come off all of us, come off as like a big shot. You know what I mean? To the endurance. Uh, Meanwhile, you're his fucking hero. So uh, I mean, there, there you go. So there's some pressure. Oh, my God. I would not call myself legend at all. In fact, my wife would call me something completely different, like asshole or something. <laughs> But definitely not legend. All right. Like go fold the laundry or something. <laughs> My wife just doesn't even talk about me. So you're at least a step in the right direction. Boys, before we turn to Dylan, glass half full. All right. So Joe, you remember this segment? Yeah. Look back. Give me something you like or don't like about the Warriors. I'll go first. And uncharacteristically, here's something I don't like. Mm. I'm a sports schizophrenic now. Like I've been through bad seasons where the Warriors where they played well or didn't and mm -hmm. it didn't change my opinions. I've been through dynastic run seasons with the Warriors where they played really well and again didn't change my opinions. Now, dude, my fucking opinion changes by the day. <laughs> After that Portland win, I'm like your boy Bonte. Finals all day. Let's go. If they lose tonight against the Clippers, I'm going to be worried about the play-in. I'm going to be sobbing on the way home. So I'm, I don't have any consistency, and it's what I don't like. You know, I'm, I'm going to go glass half empty here, guys, for this purpose alone. I feel like we're tasting what it's going to be like when this thing starts to wind down. Like, as the bread starts to slowly get stale, like, uh, for the first time ever, like, it was in my head, like, okay, this thing could come to an end at some point, and maybe it'll go on forever, and, you know, Clay and Steph and Dre will never age, and yada, yada, yada. But, like, I did start to fully believe, like, okay, we might only have one more of these runs. I feel like Dre's out the door. I mean, maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, guys. Feels like Dre's out the door. Clay's been outstanding, but 
Again, he's older in age. Steph Curry really only played like two-thirds of the games the last couple of years. He's been outstanding when he's out there, you know, but like I've got a lot of questions. And then just the way the whole Wiseman thing went down, to me that was sending a signal like we're all in on the now and we're just going to like we're going to see where this thing goes. And, yeah, we'd like Kaminga to be the dude down the line, but like I'm not ready to let this go. Like that's the biggest thing. I am not ready for this era of Warrior basketball to transition at all. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I've become entitled. I've become everything I hate about fans. I've become what I used to hate about Laker fan. You know, I mean, like when when they are not, when this ends, and hopefully that won't be for 50 years, you know, I mean, although I agree with yeah. everything you just said, when it ends, it's going to be real hard getting into lower stakes hoops. You know, like when all they're mm -hmm. doing is fighting for the right to lose in the first round, it's going to be hard to get our ire back up. Um, but problem hopefully for future bram marcus joe and maxine you know we we should at least have this season i don't know i feel like joe another person that feels the way that you do is steve kerr the, yeah. the reason that he's continuing to play i mean you put it into context for me the reason that we're continuing to see some of these two-way contracts get more minutes than our young guys is that steve kerr is not ready to let go of the president right now and that sucks when our ownership group is trying to pitch us on this two timeline whatever it is now thing uh because there's clearly a difference of opinion between mm -hmm. ownership and coaching staff and that's tough for me when you know I, i'm like oh you know quinones gets the 10-day contract that's compelling and then my first thought is well shit is he gonna get more minutes than pbj and kaminga Dude. that's a terrible space to be in that, yeah i'm sorry to be more of a glass half empty guy but i'm i guess we're all in sort of a similar malaise here i'd be willing to bet anything he'll get more minutes there's no question that lester keon he will there there i mean i will find out maybe i'm wrong but that will happen but they also signed him just to trigger the ability to extend lamb and and ty jerome so i don't think it's because lester was killing him he's averaging over 20 which is great but you know, they're not like Lester come be our savior until Steph is coming back. But um, yeah, I'm going glass half empty too in a little different angle. Um, I'm worried about Wiggins being out and our, we haven't played with our full squad healthy and figured out how to win together this season. We did it last season, but you know, you can make a case that Steph, Clay, and Draymond cannot play together and then pick it up in the playoffs and, you know, win the whole thing like we saw last year. But it's a little more concerning when Wiggins is that because he doesn't have that familiarity yet, I don't think. So we haven't had, you know, our full team there. And, you know, Wiggins is obviously going through something and we respect that and, you know, no pressure to come back. But um, it just makes me half full nervous of, when we get into the playoffs and we're still trying to find our rhythm as a team and hopefully we can recapture last year, but it's to me, it's a little more difficult with Wiggins than it is for our, our core. This is getting a little sad and depressing for me, boys. Let's get a little glass half full here as opposed to the sad thing there. And I'll pick up the trail and give you the other side of it. So this actually comes from 95.7, the game um, pull up that Twitter or that tweet, I shot you, Maxime, with Guru's take. So uh -oh. I guess Myers ended up on, uh, on Steinmetz and Guru's show, and they got this quote about Wiggins. Let's go ahead and listen to it. Hey, Bob, thoughts and prayers to uh, Andrew Wiggins and his family. You and I have family, so let me know if I'm doing too much. And I don't want to sound selfish, but I want to ask you, is there a scenario at all, and I'm sure you know a few in Dub Nation want to know to where – it's on the table that maybe Andrew doesn't get back. I don't think so. Look, I don't want to speak 
um, on his personal life, and I know you don't either. I know you're not asking that. I don't think that's what anybody is is planning for. But but we'll leave that in his own place. But but as far as to answer your question the best I can, that's not the expectation. I think what you're asking is could he remain out for a long, long time? I don't think that's happening. But I'm going to leave that alone. Um, and hopefully, when he gets back, whatever words he would like to say on it, which I don't think will be much because it's his private life, he will do. But, but you know, I, I understand in your business you have to ask these questions and it's your job. But, but, I, but I also got to respect, and I think you're saying the same thing, the privacy of what he's going through. Myers is such a fucking pro. Um, so yeah, to yeah. make it a glass half full, right, um, it doesn't sound like Wazen is going to be gone for the year. Myers is expecting him back. Although the reason I say he's a pro is Myers spoke for about 45 seconds there and said almost nothing. But it feels like, you know, it feels like he patted us on the back and, and said everything was going to be good. Uh, Marcus, that doesn't address your concern. Um, and we won't know whether or not they will have the kind of familiarity they need until he actually comes back and plays. But I'm going to turn this into a question. So, Joe, if I'm on that radio station and another show gets that quote, I'd be competitive. I wouldn't say it, dude. I would never bring it up to them or anything. But internally, I kind of be like, fuck. You know, like, I, we're the fucking morning show. You know, we, we are the top, uh, the, the top ratings getters. For you guys internally, is there friendly competition? You hear that. Is there any fuck? I wish we got it. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you like, is that a serious question? Do you know how many Eagles are involved? Like that's, I didn't come up the journalism route. Right. And so I remember when I first got into like the industry media, <laughs> this is like five, six years ago. And they're like, it's show business. And I was like, come on, we're talking about sports. Like, are you kidding me? No, the Eagles are large and the skin is thin. Let me just put it that way. And everyone is competing for everything. So yeah, and people, and I'm boys with Guru. I love him. Like when he asked that question on the front end, I was like, "That's a 20 second, you know, lead up question." We we would do this. You're stretching <laughs> it out there, homie. Like get to the question. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, hell yeah, I want Bob Myers on my show. Don't like, don't 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 be kidding nobody. And I'll tell Guru to his face. Like I'm hella pissed that we don't have Bob Myers on every two weeks anymore. And Bob said, "Oh, I gotta drop my kids off and it doesn't work out." And I get all that. I'm like, damn, Bob, drop your kids off earlier. You know what I mean? Get on my show quicker. <laughs> so, Joe, if this makes Bob. you feel any better, I mean, you can guess. You know what kind of a psychopath I am. Not only can I not listen to other Warriors podcasts, because that would be the apples to apples. Yeah. I'm going to give you an even more psychotic take. When either Maxime or Marcus have a good uh, like a good take on this show, and it's for us, dude. It helps us. It's, it's pushing yeah. our brand out. I get bitter. I get bitter immediately. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of pissy. I almost want to cut it and, like, redo it in my voice. So, you know I can associate with that. Uh, I'll give you one more thing I like, and Maxine, pull up that video we have from GP2 and Steph. Joe, the other thing I like is the relationship between Gary Payton II and Steph Curry. So here's a tweet from our boys, uh, Reddit Warriors subreddit, and it's showing Steph and GP2 joking on the bench, making fun of Jordan Poole's uh, reactions to the ref. Um, and what I like about this is it underlines the relationship between the two of them and who GP2 is to this team. And we haven't really been able to celebrate his return, but it's coming, you know? And, and I think I, I just wanted to underline their very obvious friendship and uh, maybe how he can help in the locker room in addition to on the floor. 
You know, what's interesting, guys, is that, you know, I, I follow some of them, not all of them. I'm not one of the people that follows every athlete on social media, but there's like certain ones. Well, I saw the Curry slideshow the day that James Wiseman was traded and they acquired Gary Payton. And it was like on his Instagram, it was like a slideshow of photos with him and Gary Payton. And I was like, damn, how's that landing with Kaminga? How, how's that landing with Moody? No, I'm serious. Like that's, that's the way I think you're talking about showbiz and, and you know, the egos and everything involved and. I want. I'm just gonna sound like a complicated take here. All right, and this isn't. This is facts. I would have kept Wiseman. That's what I would have done. To me, I think they sold way too low. I like GP two. GP two ain't making or breaking this team's chance of winning a championship. Would he help uh, as a perimeter defender? Absolutely. I don't dismiss that at all. Does he give them more minutes or more guys to go to? Yes. Absolutely. You're only gonna play eight guys in a playoff game anyway. Like at most, maybe nine. You know what I'm saying? Maybe because of foul trouble. I just wanted to hang on to the kid. Like, I just wanted to hang on to him. And if it was really a money dump in terms of getting rid of Wiseman because of the money and all, which I don't subscribe to, like, then why is Iguodala on the team making two million times seven because you're over the line? Like, what's the point of that? Why is Jermichael Green still on this team making two million times seven, which is what you hit when you go over the luxury? Like, those dudes are wasting roster spots. So I, clearly the kid didn't fit with them. I don't think he would have, like, two things are true. I wouldn't have got rid of them, but I also understand it wasn't going to work here for right now because of where they're at. The whole thing just doesn't sit well with me. I, I, I'm, I'm especially with DiVincenzo playing as good as he is, and now you have Gary Payton Jr. on another two years after this. I would prioritize DDV over GP two. That's me. You've been watching Wiseman. You've been watching his box score since since he left. So I've watched. I watched almost every game except last night's because I had little league or whatever. I've watched them all and. I feel the kid feels like, like the oh, yeah. weight has been lifted oh, yeah. uh, entirely. So, are you rooting for him? And, I, and here's why. Let me. Okay, I am. It's good that I didn't tell you up front. I'm not because it makes me feel terrible every time he does really well because I completely fucking agree with you that they should have held on to him. But I won't say that because it'll make me look terrible if I were to say it now. You know what I mean? Well, it's, look, it, it's interesting. Are you guys, Maxine and, and MT, are you guys rooting for against? Could not care less because like some people are like, why are you guys talking about him? And I'm like, dude. We kind of like, I think we're going to have an eye on him for a while. Like I did with Monte and Monte had way more accomplishments on the floor than, than James Wiseman. You're here. reopening up old cuts here. Go ahead, Marcus. <laughs> well, I was wrong on the um, We can rip that bandaid off. Um, I'm rooting for him, but I think it was the right move. The, the plus minus with him and Steph on the floor just didn't make sense. Um, he just wasn't the right fit for our system. And if we're going all in on maximizing this window with Steph, Clay, and Dre, you you have to let him go. I do think we sold a little low, but, um, you know, like you still, you look at him, he has a complete weight lifted off his shoulders. He's playing free. He looks good. And he's still, you know, putting up negative nine on a plus and minus, even on the Pistons. That team so, sucks. Um, <laughs> You know, like it's <laughs> I kind of, you know, the player he is, he needs time to grow and he hasn't had a lot of basketball under his belt and centers take particularly a long time. So I think he'll end up being a good player and I'm rooting for him. But uh, I still like GP2 better minus the, the ab core injury. Well, and so does Steph. I think that's an important part, too. We literally flipped a 14th of this roster outside of Steph from somebody that Steph 
uh, as we've learned now, explicitly did not like to somebody that's clearly, from what we just saw, one of his better friends on the team now. And and that matters too, because this team, this team is still completely built around Steph. So, you know, uh, am I still rooting for Wiseman? Yes, because I invested in him as a Warriors fan when we drafted him. I did all of the deep diving in to convince myself, for better or for worse, that he was going to be somebody worth investing in. Um, and I'm, I'm not just going to be able to let go of that overnight. So, you know, I hope he does well, because as I said on this pod previously, it will validate that we picked him even though he moved on to a different team and again this is opening a can of worms because we had a whole fight about it um yeah, but uh ridiculous but it's, position. it's <laughs> a completely ridiculous position uh here's here's what i'll say i think everyone agrees there was a mistake it's just about when the mistake was made you know they either i think we all know they shouldn't have drafted him i mean if nothing else you go back to the day where they used the number two pick to bring him in mistake you know then from there on out was it a mistake to let him go? Was it a mistake to not develop him? There, there's a lot of other arguments, but was a mistake made? Of course there was. You know, they, they could have been uh, Tyrese Halliburton. It could have been, a, they could have traded out a bunch of other options. It's 2020 hindsight. You know, I understand why the mistake was made, but I don't think anybody can argue that they handled the situation correctly. You know, if, if they had on the number two, on, on the day of the draft, if they'd come up and said, who are you guys selecting? And they had said, Gary Payton the second. Everyone been like, what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, so, even no, just last year. I mean, Bram, like, I, if he never gets hurt, I want to know what happens in that COVID year where they lose in the playing games. Yep. Let's say him, he doesn't get hurt. Him and Damian Lee are healthy because Damian Lee was really important down the stretch and he had the COVID thing. If the two of them are there and they get in, how much different do we view him? How different is his role with that team? He gets a little taste of some playoff magic, you know, down the stretch. Like him getting hurt, set him back. The other thing is, this is why I, I struggle with this because I heard you, Maxine, like, oh, Steph didn't want to play with him. I don't like if I'm the owner. You wanted Avery Bradley last year, Steph. I'm the one who wanted Gary Payton Jr. So, like, as much as I get it, it's a partnership, and this is where I get conflicted. Like, how much say do you give a lot of these veterans? Like, yeah. how like I I legitimately go back to this because it's your team, right? I know no one wants to hear this. It's Joe Lake of team. So like, do you listen on every move? Do you listen on some? Is it a partnership? You know, how do you come to these conclusions? But the fact it got this far down the line, like to me, like there was a failure to communicate on some end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here, let's, let's put it back towards rose tinted glasses and then we'll welcome Dylan back in after the Portland game. After they came screaming back, mm -hmm. because boys, I let go of the motherfucking rope. And in the first quarter, I was panicking. I was angry. I was lashing out at anyone who had listened. And they came back. And now what I said before is actually true, if not hyperbolic. I view them as a finals team again right now. You know, and so if if GP2 helps bring them up and over the hump, uh, you know, and this is what we talked about before, then great. All things are forgiven if we get another championship. And that's exactly what I'm hoping for. And with that in mind and a little optimism behind us, let's welcome in Dylan. Uh, let's see if he's out there. There we go. Hey, guys. Dylan, what's going on, man? Man, I, I came in and I was super pumped up and has kind of just sucked my soul with all this honesty here for the last few minutes. <laughs> I blame Marcus and Maxime. I mean, if, if you end up being a final member of this team, that's always our go-to. Uh, you may have heard in the background, I already passed along your compliment to Joe. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yep. I, I was hoping that you were going to give me a little, like, you know, admiration. But no, it'll go towards Joe. It is what it is. You can't win them all. Um, we have some questions we've asked you to put together, but before we right. do that, just a couple of things about you, man. Um, let's start mm -hmm. this way. Where are you from and how the Warriors get into your life? 
Okay. Well, I, I was listening to Tiffany and I've, I felt like uh, I was a bit of a kindred spirit because I don't really know where I'm from. Same thing. I lived, lived in multiple countries, multiple different oh, states. Um, but as far as how the Bay Area sports and the Warriors came into my life, uh, as I mentioned, we had a little bit of an adventure when I was a baby uh, running around uh, multiple different countries uh, with the feds behind chasing me and my dad around. Oh. And <laughs> grow, yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. Uh, I was one of the like the early milk carton kids. Let's just leave it at that. And um, we like I have this memory of standing over by the Cliff House in San Francisco. Right. And my dad would we had pictures of the Cliff House and all the different burned down things all over our house. So no matter where we lived in my head from like childhood, it was San Francisco, San Francisco, huh. San Francisco. Um, and then we were living in Iowa at this point. And I wasn't really, I, I, it was the, it's, it's amazing, but it, the first sports memory of my life was the 49ers and it was the catch. And then it was them against the Bengals. And I remember it was San Francisco and it was those gold helmets. And then that just became my team, which then transitioned into, okay, now I'm watching baseball. Okay. It's Will Clark. It's Matt Williams. It's Kevin Mitchell. And then uh, I, I, you said something the other day, or maybe it was on an older podcast, Bram, where you're like, I was talking to somebody and they didn't even know where Golden State was. Well, <laughs> Chuck, was about seven, I was like, Golden State? I mean, that's California, but I didn't know where they even were. Um, and then when Run TMC came in, uh, that's when I really started noticing them. And I was like, that is a very fun version of basketball. Nelly ball, right? Like just run it up and down. Um, and so that was when I really started watching. So that was uh, what, early 90s. Two super quick follow-ups. Follow-up one, if there's a way that you could get into Joe's good graces better than gold helmets and Kevin Mitchell names, I don't know. I'm not sure how else you could do it. And then two, so just based on your video, I had a bunch of like little bullet points I was going to bring up to you. The first was on the lamb from the feds. You've already yeah, touched uh -huh. that. Here's the next one. Manatee wrestler? The fuck do you mean you were a manatee wrestler? I was a spring break party guide in Acapulco, and I also worked there as the bungee jump tout. Um, I worked as a network engineer. I spent years as a Yosemite climbing bum. I was a manatee wrestler, dive master in Thailand, science teacher in Korea, uh, international ultimate frisbee vagabond, geologist, and trophy husband. When, how do you wrestle manatees? Why would you wrestle manatees? I, more details, too, please. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you ever seen those manatees? They just kind of look at you with, with like kind of gleam and shit in their eyes. Sometimes, no. Uh, I went to University of Florida for undergrad. Smug and fuckers. Yeah, they, they are with their whiskers and fingernails on their flippers. It's, it's super cool. Really? Yeah. Because they used to be land animals uh, and then they went back into the water. So they still got the claws there. And you look at them and it's way back in their flipper, but they still got the fingernails. Anyway. Not a biology show. Welcome to the Marine Huddle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how you Bro, look at that. How they evolved. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think wrestling? I'm thinking of Family Guy now. I don't know if you guys know when they're, they're <laughs> making fun of or South Park making fun of Family Guy, I think yeah. is what it was. Um, so when, when I went to University of Florida, um, my original plan was to be uh, the American crocodile hunter. And so the, the lab that I was working in, we were working with the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, and we were, you'd pull the manatees out. And we would like all the, the vet students would come out and scrub them down and uh, we would notch their tails. Sorry, my Sonos is yelling. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but the, uh, uh, anyway, what you do is you, you basically, you put a big old net. You, so you have a boat with no transom, you circle a net around the manatee and you got about 15 big dudes on this boat and you tighten it up. And then we yard and we pull this manatee into the boat. 
Um, and wow. there was one time I won't waste too much of your time, but it's a great story. Sorry, Ram, you're going to, you're going to hate this, but there was one time we didn't realize that the little manatee that we were cat, we were pulling out, there was a second manatee in the Merc and oh we didn't God. know it. There's a picture of the boat, like all the people flying off and those fish and wildlife guys, they're badass mofos. They're jumping in with knives to cut the nettings before the animals drown. Super exciting. Wow. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I wrestled a manatee, I know exactly what you're <laughs> talking about. It just, it is what it is. I have a thousand follow-ups, but it's not just me here. You boys have any, uh, any personal questions for Dylan? Um, I like the story. I mean, besides mispronouncing Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell, you should have said Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we, I will represent as the A's fan, the lone A's fan. Um, so you're the one watching them this year. Yeah, exactly. No, he's not. No, he's, the not. Game. <laughs> he's the one saying the A's. He's not watching shit. I uh, guarantee you. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, my question is kind of, I guess, as a Warriors fan, what's your favorite moment that you wish you would have been in the building to see? Uh, well, my favorite moment, well, I mean, I think the answer for everybody is, and I'm in Oklahoma and I wasn't there, um, would have been would have been the bang, bang, right? Like um, I was actually up in Canada at that time and we were at an Airbnb that had no internet and I'm doing everything I can on my phone to try to find a way to get it. And Iggy comes up and he's he's got those free, I know, Team Megabyte, right? Um, he comes up and he's got those free throws and I remember and then uh, just... The, the look on uh, uh, who, who's the big goofy guy from Turkey who was on Oklahoma? Zaza? No, no, on Oklahoma. Freedom yeah. Cantor. The look on Cantor's face. He's on the oh, sideline. Yeah, Enos Cantor. When, when Steph pulls up from two steps beyond half court, because you know they were supposed to mark him right there at half court, and they didn't. And you just see Cantor before the ball is even on its downward trajectory. He just goes, oh, man, I would have loved to have been there. You guys show him some respect. His first name is Freedom now. Uh, let the record reflect. And I, I think that this uh, that Steph just came out with a shoe whose nickname was the Bang Bang, and he handed them to the first pair went to Mike Breen. So there's yeah. very obviously a relationship between the two of them. But let me shut up again. Uh, Maxime, you got anything for Dylan? Well, uh, first of all, I also I haven't seen it yet, so maybe – can any of you enlighten me on? I, I I read that Steph just did like a remake of the Bang Bang moment. Um, so was that worth watching? Should I go back and check that out? And, uh, you're you are the master of video, motherfucker. So if anyone had seen it and was going to put it up, it'd be you. <laughs> master of video doesn't mean I've seen every video ever. You think I'm some kind of robot? But it doesn't mean you should be asking other people for the video on the podcast. I mean, I feel like in this instance, it would probably be you. <laughs> My goodness! Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so, uh, my question for you, Dylan is basically this, right? You have a, uh, you listed off at the end. We, we heard about manatee wrestling. We heard about you, um, being on the milk carton, which you said, let's just leave it at that. And I'm having a very hard time doing that, but you wish my <laughs> command. Um, I'm, I'm curious, right? Cause I think that's a, an exciting list of things. Uh, how do you think that's actually going to help you out? Uh, as the, uh, you know, resident warriors huddle intern, uh, social media guru here. Well, I think that, that you and Bram said it, or, or I think Bram probably originated it, but there's there's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of podcasts that cover the Warriors, especially when we're doing well, right? Um, and what really kind of sets the huddle apart is the personalities, right? It's the it's the stories, it's the anecdotes, right? It's the 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 golden questions that kind of just all of a sudden go rogue 
and and we're listening to uh, Joe talking about a baseball player with poop on his back coming out of the <laughs> out of the dugout, right? Um, and and so I think having a wealth of just experiences that maybe not everybody has is going to lead to probably some wacky takes um, that you guys can clown on me for, um, and that maybe the listeners will find interesting. So I'll transition from that because it's the perfect dovetail. This is our judgment theater for today. You know, we, we did one with, with uh, Tiffany, so I'm going to do one with you. This is where we get a little bit personal. So the question is, we've done this one in the past. Um, there's a lot of dividers in life. Here's a random one. There's people in my life who drove before they had a driver's license, you know, maybe took their kids, their car out, did all that. And then the people who, you know, absolutely follow the rules and would never do that. And we've gone through us. You can guess with me. I drove my first car accident came at fucking 13. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was way before. Um, if I remember right, I want to say Marcus and Maxine were both a no. Am I remembering that? Or did you guys both wait till 16 or were you before? No, I waited. I waited. Yeah, there you go. Which which goes to Joe before we go to uh, Team Iggy Bite. Uh, I would bet everything I have that Joe was before 16. I mean, there's no question in my mind he's closer to me uh, than Marcus and Maxime in this. Joe, am I right? Dude, I had a Buick Regal before I even turned 16. I saved 500 bucks and bought it from the dude down the street. And I would have to move it all the time for street sweeping. And then by the time I was eligible, I failed my driver's test because I was such a a dippy. And then my dad, when he was on the sauce and all messed up, <laughs> accordion the crap out of that Buick Regal two blocks from the house. And I never got to legally drive it. <laughs> legally drive it. Oh, dude, it's still to this day. Don't even start me. My uh, my little tidbit there, and then we'll go to Team Megabyte here. Um, but my tidbit there, I my dad started to teach me how to drive, like showed me pretty early, you uh, know, like whatever, 13 or something. Um, and I was terrible. I mean, fuck, I was too young. I had no idea to do it. I think I backed my dad's car into my mom's car. You know? oh. But then fast forward, and I started stealing basically my parents' car, taking it out all the time. And then mm-hmm. my pops gave me another lesson. And he was like, holy shit, you're really good. And I said, video games. <laughs> I was like, yeah, video games made me so much better. I don't think he fucking believed it then, um, you know, but... It is what it is. So we turn to Dylan. Boys, throw out a guess. Dylan, don't tell us yes. Dylan, I'm going to guess yes, dude. You're on the lamb. You know, you're wrestling manatees. You're doing all the shit that you just talked about. You were probably driving like three-wheeled motorcycles at the age of seven. Like, who knows what you're up to? But I say for sure before 16. What's your guys' uh, guesses? I'm going to say 100%. And he was the getaway driver for God knows what capers. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly it whereas it sounds like you all were driving more for joy than yeah. for necessity i think dylan was all about like, we just gotta get out of here <laughs> i'm gonna go no i think he would have done it but i think he had a, a small tight crew of, of, of that he rolled with and they had cars so he didn't need to do Ooh, it like until that. he was 16 <laughs> i like that dylan what's the truth Okay. Well, first I'll say that MT, my girlfriend loves you because she comes up, or wife now, sorry, wife loves you because uh, she comes up with backstories for everything too. So like, <laughs> I, I, I love that part. So, I mean, yeah, you guys nailed it 100%. So uh, my, my family, they owned a small car dealership. Um, but even, even when we were, when we were on the lamb, when I was a little kid, um, I was steering on my dad's lap. Like when I was not a year old with my hands on the steering wheel, um, and then at the dealership from just the time I was a little kid and, you know, you're driving cars around, uh, to, to move, if you got to rake a particular place in, in the gravel or something like that. So 
I was probably five or six when I drove by myself the first time. Oh, I sleep. didn't steal my dad's car or anything, but like, you know, so. yeah. looking at you, Bram. Sorry, Siri decided to invade my podcast Whoa. there. She must have been answering your own uh, your own digital assistant on your side. Also, I don't mind telling you, I got really nervous when you said my wife really likes Marcus because I thought you were going to say his voice. And I'm just tired of hearing the voice compliments. So we didn't go that way. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, Dylan, enough runway. We turn to you. So, Joe, what we've done then is um, is asked all of the contestants to come up with two golden questions and like a it. personal question. So, uh, Dylan, what do you got? Okay. So two golden questions, meaning basketball related, right? So uh, I, I would say I kind of, the theme of this is brought to you by the number three, because we're down to three contestants. Um, there's three questions and I'm going to focus it on the thing that made Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and the Warriors famous, the three point shot. Okay. okay. So my first question is this right now, we all know that Clay Thompson holds the single game record for three pointers at 14. Him and Steph have been bouncing the record back and forth like ping pong for years. Dame had 13 just the other night. So my question is this. Who do you think, you know, Beans on the line, Maddie Stats, I hope you're still there and you're listening. <laughs> beans on the line. Uh, if you had to take uh, the first player to hit 15 threes in a game, is it going to be Steph? Is it going to be Clay or the field? And why, of course. Joe, I'll follow you. Oh, man, this is such a tough one. <sighs> I just don't see Curry staying in a game long enough to be able to do it. And teams don't allow him to do things like once he gets to 11 or 12, it's the old, like, what are we doing? Hack the crap out of him and, and do not allow him to shoot it. Whereas Clay is such a, and I'm not, I don't mean this in a, in a negative way. He's like the afterthought to the offense at times, even when he's going nuclear, I'm going to go with clay. I'm going to roll with clay. And I just think also he's the one that has no conscience whatsoever. He doesn't care if you're hot, he's hot, they're hot. I'm pulling. Like, he's the loaded gun at all times. So I'm going to go clap. Should have gone first. I hate it when Joe has like solid ass takes that I wish I had said. So yeah, man, I would have gone Clay too. And here's why he does not give one fuck, not one. You know, <laughs> that um, I think he will pull at any moment, at any time, regardless of the setting. We already saw it this year when he started getting close. Mm -hmm. You know, even though they were up by double digits, he was still firing up three pointers early in the shot clock. I don't think Steph does that. And, you know, I, I think Steph has more of a sense of we need to win this game, not win this record. Whereas Clay just goes balls out. So between the two, I would take Clay. Gentlemen. 
I'm going to go the field. Um, I think Steph and Clay have a good shot of doing it. And to, to your point, Clay more so than Steph. But there's a lot of good shooters out there that will will be in a terrible game that doesn't mean anything, and they'll just be getting up shots. I'm thinking Trey Young, Luka Doncic, um, you know, maybe even a Devin Booker will get hot. So I just think between the rest of the NBA and how many people can shoot a, a three-pointer now – at that level where they can possibly hit 15 is greater than the need for Steph or Clay to actually take enough to hit that many. Go ahead, Joe. I see you thinking. No, I was going to ask before, before Maxine gets in there, do you guys ever anticipate a rule change when it comes to how the arc of the three point line is like where it's positioned in the league? Cause that that's something that I've been long thinking. like baseball made some dramatic moves. We haven't really had any, you know, Big changes outside of hand checking being removed in the defensive three seconds in a long, long time. The three point line took 20 years for people to finally like rip it from back there. And then we've kind of played with how far back it is. I got to feel like some sort of change is coming soon. Joe, I think I, at, at the risk of, of interrupting here, you're, you're spoiling my second question. <laughs> oh, my God. I just think they're going to try to my world four more. Yeah, welcome to my world. Well, I, then we'll save it and we'll pretend like Dylan came up with it. I love that transition. No, you're all good, man. Um, and we'll give it to you to rephrase that in a second, Dylan. I'm going to piggyback on what Marcus just said. So I still I keep my answer. I think it'll be Clay if I have to pick between those two. But ultimately, do I think it'll be Steph, Clay, or the field who holds the ultimate record? Field. Um, I, the three-point shot has become the new go-to move. There are, there's, as I speak right now, there's probably a five-year-old taking a forty-footer. You know, and mm-hmm. so for as long as that's true, and that's the focus of development um, for the AAU and all these young programs, I think we're going to see a lot of three-point shooters. And, I, you know, when Benyama is seven feet and he's known for his fucking three-point shot. Um, so I, I, I think the, the record's going to fall in the future as well. Dylan, do you have a second question? I do. Okay. <laughs> um, so the second question, uh, we, we've kind of segued into it. Um, so... When the Warriors' rise first started, Charles Barkley said, um, jump shooting teams don't win games, right? And that you could also say that at that point, the Warriors were more than just a jump shooting team, right? Like, we, ha- we had a mid-range game. We had um, the motion offense that gave up more close to the bucket baskets than you're, you're going to see normally. Uh, but we also had the greatest three-point shooters that have ever lived. Now, fast forward a few years, it kind of feels like the NBA has moved into a world where we're just spamming threes, uh, that's why we get all these blowouts all the time, which aren't fun to go to. It's that it really comes down to tonight. Are you hot on threes or are you cold on threes? So my my question is this, two parts. First, did the Warriors actually make, I mean, and I'll throw this out there, the game against Portland when we started going to the basket, that was the most fun basketball game the Warriors have played this year because they weren't just spamming threes. It wasn't just, hey, they're going in. So with that said, I guess you guys know where I'm going to land on this. Did the Warriors actually ruin the NBA? with this three-point thing? Is the game less fun now than it used to be? And do you see a situation where there needs to be a rule change uh, expanding the court one way or the other, as Joe was saying? Keep the mic, Dylan. What's your answers? Uh, Well, so obviously, uh, old man yells at cloud. Um, I I love watching the entire court being used and not quite so much, um, what's the word? Not variation. Uh, not, Not so much just depending on spam and threes. Like, these guys are so good. They're so talented. And uh, I mean, 
when we were watching the worst three-point shooter in, in, in modern history uh, the other night just go five for six, you're like, what kind of shit is this, right? This, this, is, this isn't fun. Um, so my answer would be, yeah. Like, I think that, that the NBA is less fun than it was because everybody's doing the dang same thing and just spamming threes. Uh, and what I would love to see is maybe, I mean, let's widen, widen the court, push back, the, get rid of those corner threes being closer than everything else and make it just a little bit more challenging. Cause these players, like you said, seven, seven and can, can stripe it. You can't guard someone seven, seven. They can't guard Kevin Durant. Shout out to Matisse Thibel. You never did that for my fantasy team. You bastard. Um, <laughs> Joe, what's your response? So the way I'm reading this is have the Warriors ruined the NBA with their three point shot. And should a change be uh, incoming? The Warriors didn't ruin the NBA because even when they caught Kevin Durant, they loved the mid-range. Like, Clay loved the mid-range. So did Steph Curry love the mid-range. And, like, I think it was a big misnomer. The Rockets and the data dorks have ruined sports in general. Like, the overemphasis on, well, if you shoot 33% from three, it's better than shooting 48% from two. And it's like, well, is it a good shot? Like, you know what I mean? Like, forget the, the, the what the data and the spreadsheet says. Do your eyeballs tell you if that's a good shot, right? Like, one of the things this year, like, all the defensive breakdowns on the Warriors, I'm like, dog, they give up wide-open looks. No, Of course everyone's shooting really well. Like, they can't stay in front of anyone. The ball's hopping. They're scrambling. And dudes are wide open. So I guess where I'm going is, no, it's not the Warriors who ruined the NBA. They obviously found a little glitch, exposed it with unique talents, but I, I blame the rest of the league trying to replicate it with bootleg Walmart Walmart versions. Like Trey Trey Young, I heard you reference Trey Young earlier. Trey Young mm -hmm. is garbage. Like I, I cannot watch him cry and complain. He is so different from Steph Curry. But we file him under Curry, and I think he's a bootleg version of Curry. He's ball dominant, doesn't move. Dame Lillard even Dame Lillard, great player. When was the last time you seen him relocate to the corner after giving it up at the top of the key? And and Dame's a whole you know five levels up from someone like Trey Young. I think that they need to do one of two things, either move the three-point line back somehow or have none of the corner three be available, right? So now you don't have guys running into the corner. So you just go that, – that, that line would almost go out of bounds where it starts to turn and go straight. The other thing that you could do, what if we added – Three points for a dunk. What if we did something like this and we brought back some sort of floor balance for big men? Like, I love that Jokic and Joel Embiid have brought back the big man, but it does feel like you can pick and roll those guys to death in the playoffs and it negates their impact. You've got to do something here. Like, I, I do think that some tweak, I don't know what it is. And I'm uh, the game is not being watched by people. Major League Baseball, their NL and ALCS outrated the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. It was the freaking Warriors. It was the freaking Boston Celtics. These are blue blood, you know, organizations. You know, we know how good the Warriors are, attract viewership. Something's wrong. And if you look at Major League Baseball, it was like the Phillies and the Astros. No one cares about those teams nationally. So I think they have big problems. And I think part of it is the bombing and chucking that you see. I agree, but Maxime, we haven't heard from you for a minute. What's your take here, man? I want to I want to underline a lot of what Joe's saying, saying because I could not agree more. I want to point out that 
part of what made this Warriors team, you know, a lot of people are trying to emulate the small ball Warriors right now and finding out that it's a lot more difficult than it might look on paper. That didn't just include the greatest shooter of all time, not just shooting the greatest shots of all time, but cutting off the ball, like Joe said, the way that pretty much no other point guard is doing it. It included a number two that might be the greatest pure shooter that the NBA has seen. And it included a genius on both ends of the floor in Draymond Green that can facilitate all of these things and catch things before anybody else and see the floor in a way that nobody else is seeing. So like it's small ball, but only because you have some of the most statistically um, outlying candidates for those positions that we've ever seen. And so of course now we're seeing that other teams that are trying to emulate this behavior are, are finding that they're regressing back to the mean a little bit more. And it turns out that the mean is not going to be the easiest way to play basketball. And that's, and at the same time, I'm excited by seeing Joel Embiid by seeing, um, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic by seeing Giannis Antetokounmpo and then that reminds me of what Kareem was saying about how he wished that he had been given more of a license when he was younger to take the ball um, 48 feet right up the court like that opportunity to actually be a ball handler as a big that's a that's a huge advantage so yeah there are things that we can do I love the idea of getting rid of the corners we've also seen that's like one of Wemby's sweet spots from the three so that might change his game a little bit probably for the better to force him to be a little bit more in his full bag as opposed to a lying on that outside shot but I just I, I kind of want to stress the point that um, this idea that the Warriors ruined the game by going small ball it's just it's not that simple it required some of the greatest players of all time to come together uh, to really pull that off do I think they ruined it um, no I th it's hard you know like would you rather watch Trey Young or Andrew Bynum would you rather watch Damian Lillard or Kwame Brown so you know like the, the difference between a, a but why can't it be Zach threes. Randolph? Like, oh, why exactly. can't it be Zach Randolph? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not even like a no, Zach no, Randolph isn't even good, on. Like, like if you're going to yeah. go Dame Lillard, like Zach Randolph is equivalent close to it of the power four position of that era. I loved watching him play. Yeah, no, he was great. And, you know, like he, he was amazing. He never jumped higher than two inches off the ground yes. and was an all-star for multiple seasons. So that's a better comparison, fair. Um, I just, you know, I don't think they've ruined it. I think they just helped evolve it and they sped up the the evolution of the game. Um, and I agree. I think they're going to have to do something to address um, how the style is played. I also think uh, underlying factor that I don't know how you address it and it seems like a cop-out, but... I think the refereeing is oh, also. I agree with you. Hard <laughs> Because it's, it's almost like WWE level type of refereeing where, Dude. you know, like it's it, it's too inconsistent for the okay. casual fan to enjoy it because they're just kind of like, they don't they don't even know what's going on. So the problem starts before the referees. So, I mean, in, in turn, really quick, did they ruin it? Fuck no. They made it more accessible. Uh, the more people like to watch Steph Curry than anyone has ever wanted to watch anything. It's, we're not watching um, physical beasts anymore. We're watching people we can associate with perform magic. Yes. But do they need a change? Fuck yes, they need a change. All right. There, and I'll, I'll give you a, a real world example. A uh, good friend we've brought up a few times on this show, Ron, has a son who's getting ready to go to college. So that kid is what, 16, 17? He does not watch full games. And he played in the AAU. He is a basketball fan. He likes the Warriors. What he watches is TikTok highlights does not watch all of them. He just gets up to speed on it. And that that problem is getting worse, gentlemen, by load management. Why would anybody give a shit about watching a full regular season game when the players don't play in them? You know, so they, they're dealing with a problem right now. And if Adam Silver is the commissioner I think he is, should he be considering changes? Yes, hardcore changes. Because in the future, 
the people who will be paying for these games, the season ticket holders, those are Miles. Miles right now is learning. He does not need to attend those games. For what? I'll just hop on YouTube. So if, if they're worried about the bottom line, which of course they are, it's a financial business, then right. changes need to be incoming. And I think it's going to get closer to like the end, or what was the NTV rock and jock. Remember like they had like a 25 foot <laughs> fucking shot, like all the other bullshit. I, I, it would not shock me at all if they mm -hmm. start to really try to bring in scoring, like you, you saying a dunk worth three wouldn't shock me at it's all. That's what they start doing, man. You know that, but they need to, they need, yeah. need to get this, the, they need to give a younger audience a reason to sit in for 48 minutes, and that's not an easy thing to do. It's not. The, 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 there's so many complications with this. The, the thing mm -hmm. with social media is real. Like We care more about the transaction than the actual action. I mean, yeah. the, Kyrie, yeah. the Kyrie move was talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks. Has anyone watched that team? Because they're not very good right now. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we're blowing Kyrie left and right, and if you just pull average people, they're like, oh, yeah, look out for Dallas. It's like, they haven't even won a game in like a week, two weeks. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. And they won before Luca when he was hurt on the bench. I don't know. It's just we're obsessed with the names and stuff. Like Kevin Durant, all of us, we all know how great Kevin Durant is. The dude's been on five teams or four teams in like four years, five years, whatever it is. It's, it's like, really? He's one of the all-time greats across sports? I have. Yes, Kevin Durant's name brings me a lot of frustration right now, so I choose not to uh, comment on that at all. Damn, did he look good in Phoenix the other night, Dylan? Stud, we asked you to give us a personal question too, man. What do you got? Okay, so uh, as most good questions do, it starts with a story. Uh, so this is a few years back, and I'd been shopping for my very first home, and I'm looking up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. And we finally find one. We've been looking for six months at this point. And we find one. It's in the right neighborhood. It's a neighborhood that used to be like an oil tycoon's like country estate. So there's gardens and swimming pools and fountains all over the place. Beautiful. Um, and we're, it, it's the price is amazing. And so we go ahead and we put in our offer. And then you know what you do. You're like, okay, okay. Are they going to accept my offer? Like um, we put it in there and the, call, the phone call comes in and it's my realtor. And my realtor says to me, Dylan, they accepted your offer. And we're like, yes. And he's like, but there's one thing. And, and I'm like, what's the one thing? He's like, well, they wanted you to know that there was a murder in this uh -oh. house. <laughs> and not just any murder, like a famous murder that there's TV shows about, that there's books about. And he's like, what do you want to do? And, you know, so I, I, got, I got my girl, you know, I got my dogs with me. And I have to make a decision. What am I going to do? And what I want to know is when that comes up, are you going to move your family into there or are you going to uh, beat bricks and, and run for it? Great question. Judgment theater. Don't anybody answer. All right. Start with me, boys. I find my, the, my dream house, dude. Couldn't wait. Amazing. And I didn't think I was going to get it. I got it. Here it is. But I find out that there's been a gruesome murder. Do I move in? So, so here's the deal. I remember you talking about like rolling over to your buddy's spot and you were just pissed about the stairs that were there the whole time. And I feel like you would be so nervous that somebody would come over and say like, oh, isn't that the place? Like casually just drop it as you're walking around. Like, isn't this the place that that murder happened? And like, you would not be able to sleep for uh, the rest of your life. So I think you would realize that that was going to happen and then you wouldn't be able to go through with it. Joe, what's your guess? My guess is like a good lawyer, you would ask for more information. <laughs> Who was the celebrity? What was the death? You know, like what were the circumstances? Let me get more information before I say no. 
Uh, Dylan, why don't you give us a guess? I'm going to say hell no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I pictured asking this question and you being like, oh my God, no. So I'm going to go hell no. I, I think that, that there'd be as, as neurotic and dramatic as you are to be in a house like that. I don't think that you would want it. MT, since you won't bring me to a finals game, I don't want your opinion on this. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of background, what, it, what Maxime is talking about when he says stairs, I'm such a sick fuck that when I go to a friend's house that's super nice, or this has happened in the past, my wife yeah. and I went to a good friend, they just bought a new house, and I was so jealous and resentful of how nice the house was. On the way back, I said, what was that staircase doing there? Which makes no sense. <laughs> it, it was giving them access to the second floor, dude. It was a staircase. What would I do here? Hell no, I wouldn't go to that house. If any of you had a house that you, like I suddenly found out there was a murder in, I'm not getting anywhere close to it. I'm having an intervention and asking you guys to move out immediately, man. I'm not good with like supernatural stuff. You know, like I don't, I just don't mess with it. Um, absolutely, if it was the Taj Mahal, I would not move in there. Um, all right, let's focus on Marcus, boys. Let's drop a guess. Marcus is more practical than emotional in this sense. Um, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't just blow past it. It wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I don't care. You don't have to tell me about it. He'd do the due diligence. He'd get like paperwork and shit. He'd get the the police report. He'd, he'd talk with his wife. Um, but as long as his wife was good with it, Marcus would move into that house. I I I'm I think I'm kind of with you on that one. I I, I yeah I I think you're right. I'm gonna go with exactly what you said, Bram. That's the cop out for me. <laughs> I respect it. Dylan? I think that Marcus would look at it and say, I bet I can renegotiate here and make him a lower <laughs> offer. That's an incredible answer. MT, what's the truth? The truth is, never in a million years would I go into it. Really? <laughs> no way. Ever since I started watching Scooby-Doo, I've hated ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not happening. I, I respect the the other world, where, wherever it lands or whatever it may actually be too much to if that house has ghosts in it if it had a murder in it then there's plenty of other houses in the sea you wouldn't <laughs> hire a group of teenage crime solvers to figure out that, that was actually just a janitor with a mask on uh, yeah, fair, exactly. <laughs> fair enough let's turn to uh let's turn to joe uh -oh. i think joe's a no i think he's a no i think he'd, he'd think hard about it because he has a practicality to him too and i think that he would run it by his wife i know oh, yeah. married man there's no he's not making any calls on his own but i think push comes to shove as long as his wife was cool and be like no you know i, I know it was fantastic but too much other concerns i think joe would be closer to me i think he says no i'm the opposite I think he's all in on it. He even busts out a Ouija board and and a seance and tries to get the ghost to come kick in and party. So it's part of the the uh, the homeowner, you know, like when when he brings people in when they have like the you know the big party to like yeah. let everybody know. And we have a Ouija board that we'll exactly. all be using. Incidentally, it's his filter on Redfin. He has he has does it does it have a murder and ghost involved? I've left more than once when people busted out a Ouija board. By the way, I don't mind mind you don't like I'm just I'm out. Like I said earlier. Um, uh, Dylan, what's your guess? I'm guessing yes. I, I think Joe even leans into it. Like he has people come over and he has like one, he has like a setting with food there with a chair at the table with nobody sitting there just to fuck with people. <laughs> I'd leave that housewarming almost immediately. Joe, what's the truth? The truth is, is that I would tell the realtor to never bring this up in front of my wife ever again, because in her <laughs> culture, she would be furious. And then what we would do is we would immediately rip all the walls down because I've got a full family of contractors and plumbers and electricians. We would invite the priest over and we would absolutely do some sort of a seance, a blessing, whatever it is. 
dude, paint can solve a lot of things. This is a true story. Honest to God, true story. We were searching for a house for like three years, right? My wife was like, literally, this was over 10 years ago, crying all the time. We're getting outbid. This is like the first tech boom that was like popping. And like everything was jumping out of our price range, okay? We found this house. They were in the one I'm in right now. And they're in, uh, you know, in contract multiple times and they got broke. I'm thinking, what the, what is going on with this house? I walk in, I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah, there's like eight people upstairs five people downstairs in this tiny little house, like just packed like sardines. Okay. So I tell my real estate agent, like, well, what's the deal? Was like, all these people won't leave, you know, they're renting, whatever. I was like, we'll give them $40,000. This is the honest to God truth. I said, we'll give them $40,000 and they'll all leave. I was like, but I don't have the $40,000 cause I need that money as the down payment. So we'll give them $40,000 more on the mortgage and we'll pay that over 30 years. And so <laughs> I swear to God, we gave 25 upstairs, 15 downstairs. The people downstairs says we're not leaving for three weeks, you know, till our next place. The second I got the keys and the people upstairs left, me and my dad were banging everything upstairs. I was making so much noise. They were gone in a week. Facts. I painted everything in the whole house. I slept on the floor and never looked back. I still get these people's mail. I don't know if I've ever been more excited after the phrase, this is a true story than I was when you first started that. Oh, when you man. said like it's going to be like seance and shit <laughs> in, in related news to continue a theme. If you told me the only thing that had happened in your house previous to this was a seance, I wouldn't come to your house. I'm, again, <laughs> I'm just out, dude. It just, it just scares the hell out oh. of me. We make our way to Maxime. Maxime just, I, I have no idea. I cannot pin Maxime down. I mean, there's a chance that Maxime is a part of an international group that just goes to haunted houses. Like, I don't, I don't know what he would do. So on that side, just, just for the hell of it and to get a little variety, I say, yeah, I think he sees as an upside. It comes in, he's like, I'll give you an extra $15,000 with that information. I think Maxine's scared shitless. I, I, I've God bless you. Uh, there's no way you're moving into that house. There's just no way, no way. Dylan. So I don't think Nick Young would, but I think Maxine would, and this is why. Nick Wright. Nick Wright. Nick Wright. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think Nick Young would either. If Maxine like, looked like Nick Young, Nick Young but... is going through some real physical <laughs> problems. You no, know? but he does. He does in fact look a lot like Nick Wright. <laughs> Um, I think he would because there's one thing I left out. There's a 45-year-old beautiful live oak tree there that you could practice your climbing on every day. And I think he would have looked at it. He'd have been like, well, ghosts are kind of scary. However, look at that tree. So I think Maxine would have taken it. What's the response? Well, uh, burying the lead, that changes everything. I, oaks are my favorite tree. They are beautiful and wonderful uh, creatures, and I love climbing them because they have so many different limbs and you can just get all up in it. It's great. I also, I like to swim. Not having to drive to the local pool to do a swim would be fantastic, and I don't believe in fucking ghosts, so fuck that. I'd be a little <laughs> bit more nervous about that being a large property. I'd probably make sure I get another dog to like deter people, but I'm only worried about the living, the dead. Stay dead, fam. <laughs> Related news, I'm never going to Maxime's house. <laughs> oh, can we circle back <laughs> real quick? On there. What do you mean you have multiple friends that have pulled out Ouija boards, Bram? You need to be hanging out with different people. Yeah, I've been alive for a long time, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It wasn't in, like in the last week, but you know, like over the decades I've been alive. Yeah, I've seen more have than one. Have you guys ever been to the have you been to the USS Hornet in Alameda? Of course. Yes. Not okay, it, so but I know exactly where it's at. All right, so my buddy's bachelor party, my buddy JV is like way out there. I mean, he moved to the Croatia or whatever. He's completely out there. He goes, bro, we're going ghost hunting. 
Right. Everyone met up. We we're like, what? Like, he's like, we're this, we're that. We had no idea. We get there. We're going ghost hunting. And I swear to God, we went on there and these veterans were like, that guy hung himself there. That guy died there. And they went through the whole book. More people died on the USS Hornet than any other ship in the history of man. And I'm like, this and they were saying how it's haunted, basically. I didn't see a ghost, but like it was the weirdest bachelor party of all time. And then, of course, we went to the strip club afterwards. But like, <laughs> who does that? I stopped going. We, we occasionally will put people up, uh, our expert witnesses at the Claremont over in Berkeley. Oh, yeah, and, haunted. Okay, and the Claremont has a haunted history. I don't know if you yeah. really knew that. One of the elevators, if you're looking at the elevator bank, stay out of the one on the right. And when they, when they told me about that, I had a free room in the Claremont because we we're in trial, and I was like, "I'm good, I'm out." I'll, I'll say, "Like, is there like a Motel Six? Like, I'm I'm all the way out." But we're bearing the lead. We go to Dylan. I'll offer the first guess. Of course, he wouldn't. He's not in that house right now. We're looking at his house. Like he he told us that he was going through it. You know, I don't see any floating heads in the background. So based only on my context clues, I guess no. Dylan said no to that haunted house. I I think he's living there. I think he's living there right now. I really do. I think he's living there right now. I think he's thrilled and he's happy and it's all good. That would be an incredible sixth sense like reveal. If like that's it's actually Dylan is the ghost. Yeah. It turns out, you know, like it just it all comes together right here, right now. I think, yeah, I think I think it went through, but then he moved. I think when you close on a house, it kind of is what it is. And they were shady for saying that after you know <laughs> the cl you closed but you were like fine and then you dealt with it and then you heard uh, one creek too many late at night and you were like i'm out and you moved to a new house <laughs> you mean just one creek overall maxime <laughs> what's your what's your response here Wayne? yeah well i'm wondering because if you have to disclose that information like that was that the realist uh, realtor's obligation hope so okay okay yep. okay so that changes things because i was thinking like man it could be a nice opportunity to flip the house and get a lot more in return but uh <laughs> no i think you passed on it in the end dylan so you were all kind of right uh except for bram you were 100 wrong <laughs> okay but, thanks man <laughs> okay so uh you know i mentioned in my video i'm a geologist right so the way that i look at it is life has been on earth for 1.43 billion years <laughs> So if you're looking for the one place where nothing bad has happened to a, a human, no, nothing has died, you're going to be standing inside of a volcano on fresh lava that's coming out because something's died everywhere else, horribly probably. Um, so we and of course, and it was fifty-two dollars a square foot, brother. Like like, <laughs> so it was a no-brainer. I went ahead and took it, um, but I, I have since moved out of there. So you're right about that. I'm not there now, and uh, I've given that house to my dad, so he's living there currently. Oh, nice. And there was a TV show called Murder House Flip that I was trying to get on because I was like, oh, we're trying to flip this. There was a murder and they come in and they do seances stuff. So, I mean, it had been all the way across the board. So I, I give everybody stars there. I'll have you know that my house is actually on brand new lava built volcano. So nothing's died and certainly hasn't died horribly. And I don't need you to somehow ruin my well-being, mental well-being at the house. Um, God, I, I have learned about geology, about yeah. manatees evolution, man. I mean, like you, you have taken us on a journey, Dylan, and you've done a phenomenal job. I love that last question. That was great stuff. And so we go to our moment of truth, Joe. This is it, man. So what do you think, dude? Stamp of approval? Does it get the butcher boy thumbs up? What do you think on Dylan? I thought Maxine was the uh, Maxine was the fun, uh, smartest guy on the show. Like I really did. And now I think you've raised the entire IQ of the entire squad. I think you got to bring him in. I've been impressed. That's the greatest answer I've ever heard. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm reeling. I hated it. No, no, I, mean, I, I, was, I just, <laughs> you know, I know that the videographer guys, they got to have that vision, you know, <laughs> they're very creative. Yeah, I, I, Dylan did a phenomenal job. I'll give you instant impact. Um, the, or instant analysis, that question at the end, I mean, the warrior stuff is always fun. Um, we did, we had a lot of fun with the questions that you brought, but the judgment theater ones can be difficult. And the fact that we went through all five is a giant testament to the question, right? I would have, I would have dumped us out if I didn't think there was gold in there and there was a ton of gold. So thumbs up for me too, with the exception of, I now feel uncomfortable going home. I'm going to be telling my <laughs> wife, like, did you know that we've been alive for whatever you said, 1.6 trillion years and everywhere you've gone, there's been a horrific murder. So outside of that information, good job. You're not doing yourself any favors with the collective IQ when you forgot the number. You went 1.6 trillion. (laughs) That was on purpose, asshole. I mean, I remember the goddamn thing. He's a lawyer, not a calculator. Exactly. Come on. Are you explaining my jokes to me? I mean, I understand what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, cool. Thank you guys very much. It's great feedback. Um, I well, like I said, I've listened to the show for forever. I'm super excited. You didn't get any feedback from Marcus. He spent his time oh. shit housing me. What is <laughs> your fucking feedback, Marcus? What, what do you have for him? Um, I I agree with Joe. Um, ra- raised the level of the podcast. Great episode. Um, concur with Bram. The the question was good. Those are hard to do. So um, shout out for for coming up with a great question. Um, and yeah, it's been fun. So stamp of approval. I, I'd like to see move on to the final rounds um the Katniss Hunger Games well here here's the the big breaker though who's the least favorite warrior of all time for you Chris Weber Ooh. I would have also accepted Mike Dunleavy uh, yeah. I saw him working out the other day and I was like what's up Mike and like mm-hmm. I feel so obligated to say hi to him because he's part of the warrior front office it's like fuck yeah, edit I that mean, with Verjao yeah. close second. Verjao being a close oh, second. Oh, Verjao, dude, don't even start me. Mm-hmm. Maxime, finish out the analysis. What would you think? Yeah, so first of all, Verjao is also my least favorite player, so props there, uh, 100%. It was a, a dark time. I think he was always a sleeper agent for the Cavs, even when he was on our squad. Um, <laughs> but point aside, uh, no, I, I thought it was really fun. And, and the point is that as we're talking about, you know, what's actually going to happen, right? Because um, you know, a lot of the conversation is about help with the social media side. And I think it's really important to understand the voice of the huddle and how to transpose that to different mediums. Um, and so that question is exactly it, right? It's, it's an indication that you're thinking about how to bring out the best of what we do. Um, and I mean, I really, there's so much thought and intention that went into all of this that went into your video that went into these questions that the framing of the, the three overall is uh, fantastic. I would imagine that that three people were murdered in the house that your dad now <laughs> lives in. Uh, but overall, just really excited by, um, by your contributions. And it was really fun to spend the past hour with you. And I was cool. picking up all your references. I heard the shit on the back of the baseball jersey. I heard the yep. beans. I heard everything you did, and I appreciated all of them. One step back before we move forward, another name, least uh, favorite warrior of all time, Mookie Blaylock. I remember they asked that fucker because he started missing practices for tea times. He's like, aren't you the captain? And he goes, yeah, captain doesn't mean that you're a leader. What the fuck does being a captain mean then? Like, Does it mean that you get the, the first tea time every day? All right, forward we go. There's one last step to Dylan's candidacy. And uh, Dylan, you have an option. You can either take over one of our social media accounts or you can uh, throw a video up on our YouTube for everyone to watch. What do you think, man? What's what's the selection? 
Well, I, I think everything's kind of coming together on this. So what I want to do is a YouTube video. Um, so my birthday's coming up on the 7th of March and the Warriors are coming to Oklahoma City on the 7th of March. Uh, and we always go, I go to the Dallas games and the Oklahoma City games. So my, uh, my wife's got the tickets already. What I'd like to do is go up there and do, I mean, these two fan bases, these two teams are tied together from the 2000, was it 16 finals and KD forward, they're tied together and there's lots of Warrior fans here. So I want to do a man on the street kind of interviewing people uh, and then we'll be able to cut it up and put it together. Oh, and I'm going to get you know, talking to the Warrior fans there be like, how did you become a Warrior fan here? And uh, asking the Oklahoma City fans, hopefully I'm bringing, I already, I already got the muscle to stand behind me in, in case somebody gets a little bit too, too rowdy. Uh, but I feel like I could get some, some interesting content. Incredible idea. I cannot wait to see it. Um, your birthday, if I remember, you said it was the seventh. So yeah, we'll get us that video. Maybe we'll try to post it, let's say, by the 10th, um, which is what next Friday. So if you guys want to check out Dylan's submission, hop up on our YouTube page next Friday. We still have one more candidate to go through. That's Spencer. We're going to have him on next week. Um, but I don't want to bury the lead, Joe. Thank you, man. We missed you. Um, you it guys. is phenomenal to have you. I, I love our episodes with you so much, man. And I am positive people listening are feeling the exact same way. For anybody who needs more Butcher Boy in their life, where do they go? Well, if they want to hate Derek Fisher as the all-time worst warrior like I do when he came out against the Utah Jazz, finger up like he saved the world, and then ended up beating us after the We Believe series, um, you can find me at Butcher Boy Phone 5 on all social media platforms or just – Tune in 95.7 The Game, 6 a.m. We're on YouTube. We're on your radio. We're all over the place. I remember D Fish leaving the Warriors like he he oh, I trade. Remember because he wanted to like spend more time with his daughter or something. He made it mm -hmm. seem like he wasn't going to play, and then he like immediately left and, and continued to play for years. He took a private jet That's to right. get there. Don't, the, dude. I I wanted to be the driver as we're talking about getaway drivers for Matt Barnes to go beat up Derek Fisher. <laughs> All right, we've reached peak content, so I'll get us the hell out of here. We appreciate you guys. You want to get us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You want to know where you can buy a haunted house, you can shoot that email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We also have a bunch of social media accounts now, but hey. for now, only one of them is active, really, until we get the interns in. And they shouldn't even say interns. Until we get the new team member in place. That social media account is uh, Twitter. That one's at Warriors Huddle. And with that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.